on TV, online, and on Break This Heart, Say You'll Love Me Again. Ooh, wrong session. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EBT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Coming up on today's show, I am in Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. I feel anything but viva about Las Vegas. Everyone's so jealous of me. Uh, people like the people I play in words with friends will write to me and be like, hey, how's Vegas? How's it going? And everyone like thinks it's so great. I don't like it that much here. <laughs> You've reached that age where you're kind of over it. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Like, it's any trip to Vegas, right? Like, the first three nights were fucking great. Like, the job I was supposed to do over the weekend got canceled. I had a couple of days off. That part was awesome. Now I'm in the middle of 33 straight days of work, and it's, like, not as fun as people think it is. I'm not here fucking playing the World Series, guys. I'm just here working my ass off. We've got the world's smallest violin playing just for you, Joe Stapleton. Yeah, I know. I know no one's going to have any sympathy. It's fine. So, anyway, like I mentioned, coming up on today's show, all the work I've been doing in Las Vegas. I did a shoot with Phil and Antonio again, and I've got another couple of amazing anecdotes from those guys. I love the way that we're just using first names only. Oh, Phil and Antonio. Uh, yeah, does that make me douchey? Phil Helmuth Jr. and Antonio Esfandiari, who I sometimes want to say Antonio Esfandiari Jr., and I think because I'm confusing with Antonio Sabato Jr. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I did some... I, look, James, I did some commentary on Aaron. On yeah. Aaron. It, me and Aaron... Aaron, Aaron Jones, Aaron, Aaron Paul oh. of Breaking Bad. Since I'm just referring to people by their first names at this point, uh, I played some poker. James played some poker. Hey, James, maybe we'll talk some strat today. You want to do some strat? Oh, talk? strat talk on EPT Not Live. Last time we did that, you know, it all went a bit weird. Yeah, it'll probably get weird a little bit later on in the show when we talk about playing some actual poker. Uh, guests. Uh, guys, no guests this week. I had Maria Ho on the line. Guests are going to be an issue with everybody here in Vegas. You'd think it'd be easy, but I don't know who I'm going to be able to commit to do the show. We do the show very late at night on the West Coast. It, you know, it's almost 2 o'clock in the morning right now. It's tough. Maria gave me the answer of, hey, if I play the late tournament and I make day two, I'm happy to come in. That didn't happen today because she played the noon tournament and made day two, and that's a long day to ask of anybody. So hopefully we'll have somebody next week. Maria said she's she's willing to make me the same deal for next week. So anyway, accentuate the positive. What do we have? We do have super fans. We yes. got super fans coming out our ears. The super fan this week is Scott Adamson, who has challenged me on the Hangover movies, which is appropriate being here in Vegas. And I've you know had a few long nights here so far so uh, i'm happy to talk hangover a little bit i do i saw uh, i saw the original hangover movie while i was in vegas i saw the hangover part two or three i can't remember with live so i've got some some nice poker connections to the hangover movies james before we get to any of that what's happening in the world of social media well we still have people who are discovering epc not live for the first time and are going through the archives going through our back catalog of episodes back to march of last year hello to andrew wallace who tweets to say just finished all the epc not live podcasts since starting last week definitely not hashtag ear poison <laughs> thank god and not just two thumbs up from andrew wallace three thumbs up uh, zach wiggum was a fan of last week's show he says enjoyable aspects enjoyable aspects even were the enlightening interview with Daniel Negreanu and James relapsing into a movie critic. I think he's referring to my analysis of the Rocky franchise, but I did also mention uh, a film that I watched with my daughter, Spirited Away, and Sean McCaffrey gets in touch to conclude that, yes, Spirited Away is a class film. Watch Grave of the Fireflies next. It's a more human film, emotional and brilliant. I think... Looking it up, Grave of the Fireflies is probably not suitable for a seven-year-old, so I might hold off on that one. Did watch Howl's Moving Castle, though, which was brilliant. And there's a new Studio Ghibli movie coming out soon called When Marnie Was There. So I'm all across the Japanese anime at the moment. Wasn't Did they do The Borrowers also? Was that not the same people? I don't same animation. Think so no, no. All right, I might be. Don't be. Hey, look. Don't be one of those anime people. Okay. Look, I didn't see Spirited Away when it came out when I was in college. You know why? Because like only the really like nerdy virgin people. But watch Joe, that it's stuff, a beautiful so. film. And one <sighs> thing I will say. One thing I will say because I know 
that you're Mr. I don't like reading. But if you watch Howl's Moving Castle, I don't have a problem with the English dub because it's so well done. They've got some big names in to do it. Emily Mortimer, Gene Simmons, Billy Crystal. And because the story is set in Europe, it doesn't feel weird to have non-Japanese dialogue. All right. I mean, I'll consider it, but I'm probably, you know, still not going to do it. Not because I refuse, but it just, it's not going to happen. Uh, and the last tweet about last week's show that I wanted to read is from Paul Walsh, who has only just heard about the guy selling his PokerStars table. Awkward. I didn't enter the competition in Monaco knowing that I had nowhere to put it in case I actually won. He has a one-word description of the gentleman who did win the prize and is now selling it on eBay. Hashtag wanker. Ooh, I got some place that he could put it. Right up his butt! <laughs> uh, but you noted, Joe, that the original auction closed, and unsurprisingly, it didn't sell yeah, for £5,000. What's, what's uh, the current status of the table? When I checked in, the auction had restarted, uh, and it was back up for the reduced price of 2600 But last time I checked in, no one had actually bid on it. Let's do a real-time update, shall we? EPT poker table. I feel like it might be lower than that, by the way. And also, if this was like the John Oliver show, we would buy the table from him and then give it away again. Yeah, we don't quite have HBO-style budgets. Uh, the table is up. There is one day and one hour left to run on the auction. There is a minimum bid of £2,600, and no one has bid yet. Who is willing to ruin their eBay score by uh, committing to buy this table and then just <laughs> bolting <laughs> on the sale? Who wants to? Who wants a free? Everyone loves a chop pot hat. <laughs> uh, I think it's fair to say, Joe, that most of the tweets in the last seven days have been about the Daniel Negreanu documentary Kid Poker that we discussed last week, now available on Netflix in English-speaking markets. And my intention was to come in here and read a selection of the nice things people were saying. I'm slightly overwhelmed, slightly blown away, and shocked in a good way with the sheer deluge of positivity surrounding this movie. I'm the, not shocked. It was great. But, Joe, the volume of tweets on a daily basis, there's just too many to read. And it is overwhelming. And I'm not exaggerating when I say 99% positive. And by positive, I mean raving. Extraordinarily impressed, delighted, inspired. People saying that it's made them look at their life a different way. Some people finished the movie and called their parents because it made them feel so much closer to their mum and dad. People saying it's made me want to take up poker again. The effect this movie is having is extraordinary. I mean, look, I, I was obviously moved quite literally to tears when I watched the movie. I understand it completely. I am incredibly proud of the team that put this together i i wish i could be more surprised but i'm not because the movie's fucking great well there's one tweet that we should highlight and that was yes. one that uh that uh, dude this is amazing speaking of subtitled movies so what is this so netflix like fucked up one of the subtitles right yes netflix did the subtitling for this one and lrmfj on twitter uh Obviously, he's watching it with the subtitles on. I guess very few people have spotted this because very few people are probably watching it with the subtitles switched on. Um, but yes, there's a bit where I'm talking about Daniel winning the award for Poker <laughs> Ambassador at the inaugural American Poker Awards. And the exact line is that at the American Poker Awards, the first ever ceremony, Daniel was named Poker Ambassador. It's been subtitled at the American Poker Wars. <laughs> to which our friend tweets, ah, yes, the great American Poker War of 2015. The first poker war was fought in 2015, and Daniel Negreanu was victorious. So, yes, a bit of a subtitling gaffe there, uh, which, which did amuse me. So funny. The, the, the American Poker War is so good. James, uh, it's been a little while. And this week, uh, when, when you got, say a little while, you mean like two weeks? It's look, I took a break from having <laughs> social media beefs, but this time, this time I've shown you the evidence. I've got a social media beef this Joe, week, and Joe, I've shown you, you the sent evidence. Me five and pages, five pages of comments on someone's Facebook wall. And the irony is, I didn't even know who the original person was because you sent me some Facebook message from a Ludovic Johnson. Uh, spelt the Swedish way, and I've got no idea who Ludovic Johnson is, and then I learned that this is what Ludovic Geilich calls himself on Facebook. 
Correct. Yes. So some people on Facebook have different names than their, you know, their name we know them by. So they're a little bit harder to find. Whoops! If we just gave that away. Um, but yeah. So Ludo posted this uh, this status a few days ago that says, uh, "Get ready. Get the bleeping button ready." Got one of those on my table that says good hand every hand and good luck to every all-in player tries to shake hands with everyone that busts so basically he's sharing a table with a decent human being right with someone who's like kind of like having fun and really just wants to be social and um just sounds like like a nice a kind of a nice kind of a dork but kind of a nice person and you know, for Ludo to post this, I don't really think is that big of a deal because Ludo could be joking, he could be sarcastic, but then the number of people who respond to this post saying, fuck this guy, I hate people like that. Let me read you a couple of choice comments. Yeah. LMFAO, I didn't even realize that was still a thing. Uh, piss, <laughs> piss on his bonfire, Ludo. Um, 2007 is calling him back. I hope he busts and runs after you to get a handshake when you split. Um, some which I'd rather not read. And then Joe Stapleton gets involved because, Joe, you just can't surrender your badge. You remain the law enforcement official who insists on policing social media. You're all what's wrong with poker, posts yeah, Joe Stapleton. I mean, look, I'm sorry, but like, it's these are some of the same people that will jump down a company's throat for ruining poker or for fucking up poker and these miserable fucks are what's keeping people from playing poker not like a bad marketing strategy so like i just if, if this is the kind of attitude that people have at the table like first of all it's a bad attitude for poker and it's also just a bad attitude for human beings like why would we discourage someone from being nice why would we discourage someone and 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 mock someone for being like a fucking nice person um at which point um and and also i was kind of saying it somewhat tongue-in-cheek like i really wasn't trying to shame anybody but also just draw to attention the fact that like this negativity isn't really very very like i don't think very worthwhile and then no one pretty much no one agreed with me yeah i mean ludo's immediate response is come on joe it's all banter hence me using the c word uh which obviously has a different impact in scotland than it does anywhere else in the world um but yes you you d didn't exactly um make yourself any friends from the other people posting on this facebook wall did you well, no, and the thing is that, like I said, Ludo's original post, I was like, I could very easily see him joking about that. So it's the people that responded with, you know, that were like just really uh, against this guy. And then um, I guess I got I, my real beef, James, comes when um, when uh, this guy Matt Davenport got involved saying, nothing wrong with Ludo venting a bit on social media, IMO. It's not like he's saying it to his face. These things can be tilting as fuck to play in. To which you respond, good thing Ludo has you to go to bat for him. At which point Matt Davenport responds, good thing we have moral arbiters of the game like yourself patrolling people's Facebook statuses. Now, James, that's the comment that really tilted me. But if you notice, James, what did I reply? Um, I can't see a reply. Exactly, because I didn't fucking reply. I just let it go. Thank I you. Like, you know what? I'm just, there's like... There's, but you know what? I have a fucking radio show. I have a podcast, and I'm I'm responding now. Yes. And but but Joe, 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 come on. Okay. Again. All right. Hold on. What? Shh. All right. Okay. All right. To okay. quote the great philosopher Tom York, "You do it to yourself. <laughs> you didn't need to get involved. You didn't need to post you, on this wall. You could have just you could have just gone shame on you all and moved on. But but well, in, in my say own head, out loud. You mean. exactly. Rather than actually typing a version of that but james now i realize that i am not a world series of poker main event champion but am i not an ambassador of poker you are do i not maybe, have a maybe that's a responsibility what i said if we're gonna identify what's wrong with poker maybe we just hit the nail on that <laughs> i think i have somewhat of a responsibility <laughs> To try to, you know, to try to promote the game and try to... I, look, I don't I don't know. You, you, I don't disagree with where your heart is at, but your head should tell you there is nothing 
nothing to be gained from trying to engage with these people on social media. That way, only madness lies. There is something to be gained. James, just one thing I want to point out. Did you see the number of likes that my comment got, the original one, you're all what's wrong with poker? Uh, Four, 14. 14, 14 uh, likes 14. on that. Is, is which, that good? Ask. Look at Ben Strivens right now. To get 14 likes on a comment you leave on somebody else's thing is really good. He just gave me a thumbs up, so I will yeah. defer to his better knowledge. Two thumbs up, but not three. Um, yeah, so how is Vegas? Anyway, I'm, I'm, I think I'm supposed to tell those guys at the end of social media beefs to eat a big old pile of shit. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I was about to ask, how is Vegas treating you? <laughs> oh, James. You know, you know, it's how long it's been since I've played table games. Like, I think it was Huff's Bachelor Party was the last time I actually played a table game. More than, like, for, like, a couple of hands. That's not true. That is not true. I sat with you at a pie gal table in Florida. You're right. You're absolutely right. I don't count pie gal as a table game. I know <laughs> I probably should. But, like, I so this trip, like, I was left to my own devices on a Friday night. I was going out with, uh, there's, like, you know how they have, like, the party pits where, like, the girls deal in their underwear? Yeah. I had a, I had a date with one of those girls, but she didn't get out until 4 a.m., and I got done hanging out with my friends at, like, 1 a.m. So from, like, 1 to 4 a.m., I was, like, left to my own devices because I didn't want to, like, fall asleep in my room, at which point I sailed off playing fucking three-card poker and crazy four-poker and switch blackjack and all the fucking dumbest things you could play, sail off for, like, $700. So when this girl showed up, I had $17 in my pocket for my date. Oh, my God. I, was gonna say, I think the, the standard question to ask in this situation is how much did you lose? Yeah, $700. That is a significant um, amount of money. Yeah, that's because that's all I could get out. Like, it definitely <laughs> would have been more. <laughs> so had you I reached your limit. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I hit my limit, and then I tried this, I mean, this really bad degen move. This is why I don't play table games. This is why it's easier for me just to swear them off completely. Um, so I accidentally last month, my like, I have one English credit card, and for somehow I paid it off by 900 pounds too much. And so I have, like, a 900-pound credit. So I was... Who the hell overpays on their credit card? I think I might have hit a one in front of it or something. And so... Um, and so now I like, th so now I have like a 900 pound credit. And so I was trying to swipe my credit card, like at the end, like to get a cash advance. I was like, I was like, sure, I'll take an 800 pound cash advance and just eat the juice. You know, like the juice is so ridiculous yeah, on absolutely. that. Absolutely. And luckily it, it wouldn't let me do it. And so that's why I only lost $700, but you'll never guess the casino. I lost this money in James while I was waiting for this young lady. Where do you think the GPL is putting me up? God, I'll give you a, I'll give you okay, three guesses. Well, I'm going to imagine that now that he's raking in some serious coin with the sale of GPL merchandise, that <laughs> Alex has put you up in a suite at, at win. We both know that's not true. So do you want to take a real guess or, um, okay. It's a casino, so it's not. I was thinking it'd be somewhere like the um, the, the the Hilton place, the, the vacation suites, but it's probably down the end. Circus Circus, Circus Circus is not far. It's it's geographically far off, but not oh. far off. See, there's one guess gone. Tropicana. Oh, you're so much more closer location-wise now. Not Excalibur. Excalibur wins it. Yes. No! No! And I got to tell you, James, this hotel can't have changed at all in the last 30 years, except for like just gotten crappier. When you sign in, do they still do the welcome, Sir Joseph? No, they don't like it. Basically, they've sort of removed any of like what little charm it had because they've pretty much just dropped the theme, except for the fact that it still looks like a giant fucking castle. <laughs> yeah, Lego but, castle at that. Um, yeah. Does it still have like plastic showers and plastic bathtubs? Would, yes, you, would you imagine no, that the cleaning staff hose down at the end of the day? I do not have a bathtub in my room. I have a, 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 a standing plastic shower, yes, as you <laughs> predicted. And my room, when I checked in, had like a bunch of, I don't know what you call, but like a bunch of, like, let's say you ran like a, a broom over a carpet a bunch of times and made a bunch of like balls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, th there was, th my carpet was covered in those when I checked into my room, which, I don't even know how that happens. It's like the room hadn't been used in years. Um, so anyway, it's actually not that bad. It's perfectly fine, and it's really close. 
uh, to the GPL studio, which is nice. Before I get to that, I want to tell you uh, just some uh, some funny stories about um, working with Phil Helmuth Jr. and Antonio Esfandiar. I don't want to name drop. Don't want to become like my co-host. We need and- we need the sound drop, don't we? We need the we need the uh, the sound of names dropping. Um, yeah. So basically, Phil Helmuth dictates the entire shooting schedule for this show that I'm doing, and so. Th- because of him, I only had to work one day because he decided he didn't want to shoot two days. So that was nice. And uh, but he also, oh god, this I forget, it's so convoluted. He basically, long story short, he didn't bring a suit. He didn't bring any clothes with him um, because all his clothes are in a car, and he doesn't drive his own car. Someone's driving it for him, and um, so he and he expects the production to buy him a suit. Because he thinks we're on like real television, and the thing is, again, low budget show, not happening. Phil's still um, living in a different era. Yeah, exactly. And so Phil's like, just go out and get me a suit. And like this production, not really wanting to go to Phil and be like, it's not that kind of show. Is like, okay. So they go to Walmart and they take a stab and they buy like the biggest suit jacket they can find, and. Phil tries it on and they don't first of all they don't tell him it's from Walmart because they know if he knows that he's not going to wear it. So they just get a nondescript black suit bag and so the guy who is in charge of buying the suit walks in and goes, "Here you go, Phil, check it out." and just shows him the outside of the bag. <laughs> At which point like I can't keep my mouth shut like I'm just like you know that's not the actual clothes, right? You need to open it and show him. And he was like, okay. So then Phil tries the suit on, tries the jacket on, and it's fucking enormous. He is swimming in it. And I decided to take some video, the audio of which you all can listen to now. How did they manage to find a jacket that's too big for you? It's like the jacket the guy wears outside of Ripley's Believe It or Not. Phil, did you get into your dad's closet again? Uh, What happened? Who the fuck picked this? Actually, the, the magician here just uh, when, just, when just shrunk down, Phil Helmuth. No this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it really is. We'll see. I should just go to Aria. You could see. Nice I wouldn't wear that. Five Not on camera. Go. It's gonna be yeah. played over hey. and over. <laughs> Make a stand. You're Phil Helmuth. You're the talent, bro. What do you want to do? You want to stay till midnight, or you want to leave earlier? Leave earlier. Well, then let's fucking man up. Yeah, let's man up. Like I'm ready to go. go. He looks like fucking Tom Hanks at the end of Big. <laughs> so someone managed to find a jacket that is too big for Phil Helmuth Jr., who is not a small chap. But is the issue, was the issue purely um, length? Because often when you go long, you also go wide. And, that, and Phil is not necessarily that wide. Yeah, no, it was both. I mean, it was it was big on him in every possible way, and you could hear from the video evidence that he would rather have looked terrible on television than work remotely harder. Like he, he was like, "It's fine, it's no big deal." Like j- when it came to the point where like he might have to stay there one second later, he was like, "It's cool, I'll be fine in it." And I don't know if anybody will be able to tell when they watch the show whenever it comes out, but uh, that was. Um, I just couldn't believe how easily he gave up once it was like uh, this or we just, you know, it takes another couple hours. I also, James, I feel like I'm a part of history now. So during some of the downtime on set, Phil and Antonio wanted to play Laden Thinks. And so I got to be the brain in a game of Laden Thinks between Phil Helmuth Jr. and Antonio Esfandiari, which I think is like kind of a cool thing, you know, for like poker fans and people have been around for a while like some of this stuff like i don't find that fun anymore but i was like this is kind of a cool moment and the game was how much did we were shooting at the golden nugget how much did the golden nugget pay for this giant light installation that was uh inside uh where we were shooting and i wrote down a hundred and eight thousand dollars that was my uh my guess and I didn't know, like, I was afraid of screwing it up because they were betting $500 on this. And I don't, like, I didn't like the pressure of this. I didn't like the pressure of knowing that my answer was going to cost someone $500. Because the key here is it's not about how much it actually cost. It's about them trying to guess how much you think it cost. Exactly. And so when their bidding back and forth sort of got to where my answer was, I was like, <laughs> like, I couldn't really contain myself. I had no poker face. Life I was like tells. giggling. Yeah, I had some live tells, but they weren't really looking at me anyway. But then what happens is, so I'm really uncomfortable with the fact that this is going to cost someone $500. And then what happens is, 
So Phil guesses some number over 108. I think they're up to like 130 or something. And so Antonio's like, I buy. And so Antonio gets everything that's under. And then Phil's like, I'm so confident. I'll bet you another 500. <gasps> That it's under 140, and Antonio's like done. And he's like, I bet you another. Uh, it's over. It's over 130, and Antonio's like done. He's like, I bet you another 500. It's over 150, and Antonio's like done. And they like they maxed this bet out. It ended up being like two grand by the time they were done making side bets on it. At which point, I had to reveal to Phil that my answer just cost him two thousand dollars, and I felt sick about it, like just sick. At which point, Phil goes, No, 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 no. It's fine. No, you're you're the brain. There's nothing. No, no, no. There's you should feel no pressure. All has nothing to do with you. You're just you're just like a you know. It's just like picking you know a, a card randomly out of a deck. It's fine. It's no big deal. So then they decided to play again with how much the piece of artwork on the wall cost, and Phil lost again. And this time, Phil looks at me and goes, Ah, sir, I thought Stapes was smart. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, so it, he's not known for losing gracefully, is he? I, in one breath, he's like, don't worry about it, Stapes, we're pals. And in the next breath, he's like, you're an idiot. You just cost me another $500. He wasn't having a good day. He lost a lot of money and had to wear an oversized jacket. He also lost a bet to Antonio based on what time we would finish. Because um, we, I tried to, I stay out of the bet, but I knew we would finish before a certain time because I know at this point how long it takes to shoot stuff. Um, and so Phil lost a bunch of money to Antonio that day. Uh, but I did work a little bit on the GPL uh, also, I've done two days of the GPL so far. I, actually, and I, was, I saw your debut, Joe. I don't get to watch a lot of stuff, but the good thing is, granted, a live Twitch stream that starts at one in the morning isn't going to work for me, but that's the great thing about replays. So yesterday I was able to watch back because I was interested to see Aaron Paul make his debut inside the cube. And obviously we shot our own heads up uh, video with Aaron Paul last year. We discussed that already on the podcast. I think... People are going to get to see that probably in August now. So, uh, you know, I was excited to see him in this environment playing against Fabrice. So I did watch a bit of your broadcast. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you're like many people. You know, that's part of the reason why I wanted to be a part of this is because I wanted to be a part of the Aaron Paul Day. I thought a lot of people were going to tune in who maybe otherwise wouldn't tune in. So I was really excited to be a part of it. So this match between Aaron and Fabrice is one of 33 that you've got to do while you're in Vegas? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to do them all because uh, I'm going to have to take off to go do some uh, other TV stuff uh, out, in, out in Fargo. Now, the great thing, Joe, is that although we spend most of our time watching other people play poker, both of us got to play poker ourselves in the last week. It stands to reason if you're in Vegas, you're not just going to be playing table games. You're also going to be playing poker. Uh, but we had a bit of a night out here in London as well. Event Recap. Event Recap. There was a Poker Stars staff tournament at the Vic on Edgware Road, Joe. And I just want to be clear, because some people were saying, I don't get it, why would you not have that event at the Hippodrome? Uh, something that people may not be aware is that generally, PokerStars employees aren't allowed to play at the Hippodrome for integrity reasons. Now, exceptions can be made, and I can jump through hoops to play in UKIPT events, etc. But if we're talking about 100, 120 PokerStars employees having a night out, that's not something that can necessarily float under the radar. So hence, we go to the Vic, which is another good card room in London, put on an awesome event, a free roll for everyone who works here in the London office, Plus, once again, we had some low-stakes, rake-free cash games. And last wow. time, Joe, that was the highlight for me, playing in the 25p, 25p game. This time around, it got a little bit serious and a little bit expensive. One of the problems is they didn't give give us many low-denomination chips. They gave people mainly £1 and £5 chips. So were they just making it one and five pound raises exactly because no one really could be bothered to make verbal declarations or or try and get changed as a raise and throw out a five pound chip so it got very expensive just to give you an idea of the insanity we saw an opening raise to 75p standard a three bet to three pound 50 
not outrageous. And then some moron lump it in pre-flop for 55 quid in a Uh, 25p, 25p game. Yeah, that kind of takes the fun away from it when it's a bunch of working people. Like, you know, when when you've got like a bankroll or whatever, you're happy to have a... A, a, a crazy person like that. I'm so glad, by the way, James, that this was like a work function. I thought you were like bum hunting. Like you knew the poker world was like all in oh, Vegas. You decided to rock up to the Vic knowing there's like it was going to be like soft games. No. Uh, I think it's also fair to say that uh, the, the stalwarts of the UK poker community who populate the Vic on a 24-7 basis, not many of them actually gone to Las Vegas. They're still in those cash games <laughs> where they can be found most hours of the day, most days of the week. Um, Unfortunately, this time, the cash session was not a winning session for me, mainly because, and this is so frustrating and so tilting, I got bluffed out of a pot by the captain himself. But Captain Nemo, your boss. Now, he bet 15 quid all in into a £7 pot in a situation where I had top pair no kicker on a three-diamond board. And I figure some of the time he's got a king with a better kicker, some of the time he has a flush, some of the time he has a flush draw, and some of the time he has a total air ball. But the problem is, the percentage of the time when a pair of kings with no kicker is good is not enough with the price that I was being offered, bearing in mind that I've got to call off 15 to win 22. You could be calling off your entire job, too. No, I, I think that I would hear about it for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week, for the rest of the month, because he's not a graceful loser. But... <laughs> But I figured it would have been okay, but in that situation, I folded and then he then showed like 10 six of spades for absolutely nothing. So I let him bluff me, um, but crucially, bearing in mind, he's an even worse winner than he is loser. He managed to not harp on about it for the rest of the evening, so I've got to give him credit for that one. So you got bluffed by the boss. Yeah. I mean, there's there's extra value in that and like letting your boss get away with one. Like, I don't think... Like you gotta, so you add it up all the times. Like, how often is my hand gonna be good? How is my hand gonna be good? But I'll get sucked out on. Uh, how often will my hand be good? And then I sort of lose favor with the boss. Look at the other side. Hey, if I fold here, he's happy. Everybody's happy. He's got a little story to yeah, tell. Yeah, but that's reliant on him actually remembering the hand. And the problem is that luckily it's now been filed for posterity in this podcast, which I know he will listen to. But otherwise, it would have just been another moment that would have just passed like tears in rain um there's one hand i want to talk about joe which actually comes from the tournament itself okay now, so what happened there was a, there was a tournament and then it ended and then you went and played cash so yeah, i so assume I, you didn't final table the tournament or anything spoiler alert i busted relatively early from the tournament okay. just like i did last time but the tournament like many of these free rolls like many of these turbos you've there's always going to come down to one key defining moment, one big hand, which will either determine whether you build up a big stack and make a deep run or whether you go broke early. Because even though everyone was starting with 7,500 chips with the blinds at 2550, it escalated quickly. A lot of people complain in turbos about the fact that the 75150 blind level often gets stripped out and that it jumps from 51 to 1-2. In this yeah. case, it didn't just do that. It jumped to 1-2 with a 25 ante, which Ooh. really put the pressure on early doors. And it's at that blind level that we pick up the action as we bring you another exciting instalment of Hand Histories. Hand Histories. So here's the background. Blinds are 100-200 with a 25 ante, and I have a round starting stack, actually. I have around around 7,500. So we start with the pre-flop action. There is a raise from the hijack. An Italian player who, ironically, has been part of one of my recent poker seminars. I don't know whether you know, Joe, but I've been doing some poker training in the London office, some tutorials for people who've never played poker before, just to teach them the basics. You know, is the goal to make them never want to play poker again? Because otherwise, would they have you? Why would they have you be teaching it? Why not Lee Jones? I'm not going to answer that question. Instead, <laughs> I will tell you that many of my poker pupils, and bear in mind that you were just doing basic stuff like starting hands good starting hands good bet sizing just real fundamentals of playing poker with beer and pizza by the way because that is essential when teaching the game Uh, many of my pupils in inverted commas were in this tournament and one of them made the final table so there we go reflected glory but anyway another (laughs) one of my students at this table raises from the hijack to 400 and i make a bad decision which is to defend my big blind with 10 six of hearts now granted this is spewy. Granted, this is not good, but 
I don't want you to judge me on that. I want you to judge me on what happens on later streets. I, I think you're I think you're sort of like trying to head off any criticism at the past because like if if I've seen anything in poker trends lately is that people defend their big blind pretty freaking wide these days. So I even though I would probably fold it there, I think that most of the people we do coverage of were would assuming they have a post flop edge, even though they're at a position, would probably defend 10 6 suit. I don't think it's that outrageous. It may not be that outrageous, but I do think the moral of this story is it's probably best not to defend your big blind with 10-6, even if it is suited. Anywho, we then get to the flop, which is the queen of clubs, the ten of clubs, and the four of hearts. So I have flopped second pair. Um, I check, and our villain continues for 500. And I think I'll, I'll, I'll peel here, out of position, see what happens. Maybe I pick so up... It's the perfect bet to get second pair to come along for the ride it is and maybe i pick up some equity on the turn maybe it's a heart maybe i get lucky and hit another 10 actually when we do get to the turn i hit the six of diamonds i make two pair and now i am pretty confident that i have the best hand and i am fully intending to check raise so i check i get the bet i want a bet of 1000 from our friend in the hijack and here is where I think I make my second mistake. If we'll excuse the wide defend pre with 10-6, if I am going to check raise, I think I have to make it meaty, and I don't. I check raise to 2,500. I don't think it's enough. A, I'm not getting value. B, I'm not pricing out enough draws. I leave myself with 5k behind with the intention to shove on a safe river card. Obviously, I get called by our friend. For it's so hard, though. It's so hard to do that math in the moment. It's just, you know what I mean? Like that bet of a thousand is like, ah, math, ah, 2,500. So an additional 1,500. He calls. We get to the river, which is the Jack of Diamonds. I do not consider this to be a safe river card. So the board is now Queen, 10, 4, 6, Jack. Whilst I've been putting him on a strong queen, some of his other combos are queen-jack, jack-10. There's a couple of gut shots that just got there as well. I don't feel safe shoving river here anymore. What's your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, I probably wouldn't shove the river. I, I, I don't think that I would not feel safe. Like, I'd still be pretty confident I have the best hand. But I would be worried, like what hands can call me that aren't beating. So I probably, I'd still value bet it. I'd still value bet it pretty big. But, but I Joe, just, with five, I mean, I'd with five k behind, and you only have five k left. I got five k left, and bear in mind that like five k went in on the turn. When you consider that I check raised to twenty five. Oh yeah, then I'm definitely going all in. Like, I did yeah. not go all in. I checked, allowing our opponent, my friend, to shove. And bear in mind, he's got me covered. He's got about ten k behind, so he shoves. And I find myself in a horrible spot and regret immediately ever calling with this dumb hand to start <laughs> with. And I decide to fold. Now, the moral of the story is that I made a good fold because he flipped over ace-king and he'd actually rivered the nut straight. He'd rivered Broadway. Um, but it's just... I get myself in a sticky situation by A, defending too wide, in my opinion, considering stacks, and B, if I am going to play the hand and make gin on the turn i've got to play it stronger on the turn i've either got to check raise bigger or check raise all in on the turn so that is the moral of the story alternate theory he played like a fucking idiot <laughs> yeah i wasn't overly impressed but the key thing is this guy <laughs> had been running so fucking good all night and here was another example and the irony is when we come back from break and i'm a little bit tilted and i never really recovered from this hand tried to get back into the game and didn't this guy is Stax McNasty over in the corner. He is table boss by some margin. He almost went broke before I did because those chips disappeared very quickly because he continued to raise and be calling call off. everything. Yeah, but unfortunately, the luck then ran out. So it wasn't a case of winner, winner, chicken dinner for me, but equally, I can't say the same for him either. I like, the thing is like I always get in like so, you know I just chastised Ludo for his post before and I end up sometimes being like a little fucking bitch at the table when that happens and I'll go you know it's not always like this you know you know you won't always make every single hand okay I just want you to know that that this is not what's supposed to happen and then you know I'm a passive aggressive asshole also uh, I played some live poker James 
Oh, really quick, while we're talking about poker in the UK and the Hippodrome and all that, Carrie Jane, Craigie, second place. Yeah, narrowly missed out on a bracelet in the casino employees event. Yeah, I know. That was awesome, man. That was so cool. That was happening just as I got here. I have a chance to go down and rail it, and I actually haven't been to the Rio yet, and it's been amazing. Um, I played a little bit of live poker since I've been here. I'm going to tell this a little out of order because uh, the less exciting thing that happened is uh, so Chad Holloway, formerly of Poker News, does the, has this gig for like the Mid-States Poker Tour or something now and had a free roll for the media and asked me if I wanted to go. And they're giving away an $1,100 Venetian deep stack main event seat. And I was like, sure, why not? It's in the morning. And uh, I got there. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. And they said, look, because it's like a winner-take-all tournament, the Venetian is going to give everybody a $10 food voucher for playing. And I was like, <laughs> Winning. Yeah, I'm free rolling already. It's fantastic. So, like, basically, everyone min cashed to start the tournament. And then there's only, you know, one way to ladder up, which is $1,100. But, like, a couple hands into it, they go, all right, tell you what, we're going to offer. A, another $10 food voucher to the first person who busts, and the words aren't even out of his mouth. And I'm like, all in. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, I'm, I'm winning. I'm going to fucking win that extra food voucher because I'm not going to play this tournament for like two and a half hours and finish second. I'm just going to lock up the extra $10 in food equity right now. And of course, I get called and I get, and I lose the hand. I was ahead and I lose the hand, but I wasn't covered. <laughs> So I actually had chips left and I managed and I was like, oh shit, someone's going to fucking go broke before I do now and I'm going to lose this food voucher and I'm going to be like the second person out of this tournament. So I was like, get it in, get it in, get it in, get it in. And finally I went broke, first player to go broke in the media tournament. So I cashed for more than anyone else did except for the guy who won. So I got second place money. Wow. Joe Stapleton channeling his inner chainsaw to get maximum value from a I mean, free roll. That was like chainsaw and high Miller coupon cutting <laughs> together. I mean, that was a, that was a thing of beauty. Um, so anyway, I did play a real tournament. I decided to play my classic Caesars. That's a great nightly. event. Yeah, it's like a, I think it's 150 now, and you get 15,000 in chips, and the blinds levels are short. But um, and when I went to play, there was actually uh, it was into alternates, and so I had to wait a while till I got seated. While I was waiting, I played cash, ran queens into kings, got stacked there, Oof. lost 150 doing that. Um, and in, in retrospect, I don't think I had to get it all in pre-flop. Um, you know, the the guy played it pretty strong, and I don't think I should have folded necessarily. But I was like, whatever, I got queen, ship it. Um, so I got stacked there, and then I got. So by the time I got seated, I had fifteen thousand chips. And by the time I got seated, the blinds were um, like two four already. Um, so fifteen thousand wasn't, you know. I think you know, start off. What, what is that? Like forty big blinds or yeah. something. Starting with. Um, when uh, this particular oh by the way <clears throat> since i've been in vegas fans everywhere uh fans at caesars fans at, I, I ran into fans at excalibur i ran into fans at harrah's and i just wanted to say i told them i would all name them uh real quick so steven ricky yusuf tom jimmy john kyle rodrigo scott robin timo what's up guys and if you didn't hear your name there it's because i just totally made all those names up okay so um <laughs> Basically, I, had, I, have a, I have a hand history. Hand histories. But mine's not really going to need to get to the flop, the turn of the river, because all of this happens pre-flop. Uh, so uh, blinds at this point are two and four, and I have got, I've got exactly 15,000. I'm at exactly my starting stack, and um, I'm going to make sure I get this right. The blinds were not two and four because the initial no. race. The Joe, blinds Joe, are three the and secret six. Here, the yes. secret is when one of these hands happens... Write Use the stuff notes down. on your phone and yeah. write it down. It's okay. I got it from here on out. So blinds are, the blinds are three and six, and under the gun uh, makes it 1,500. Right. And then there's a caller, and then there's a caller, and then there's a caller, and then I am in uh, the big blind with ace-king. Ship it. I ship it. I ship it. So then uh, the original razor folds. Uh, the first caller calls for less. For seven thousand, the next caller folds, and then um, because the person who had limp, who had uh, like just called before the flop, the last guy is yet to act. He's sitting right next to me, and he's one of these big dudes that keeps his hands over his cards. So you think he's folded? I don't know what. I don't even remember he's in the hand, so and you- everyone's and everyone's looking in my direction because the action's on him, 
And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and table my hand. Oh, you Lee Jones it. Yeah, the guy next to me tried to save me. And you know what? I just, I don't play enough poker. Like, I only play poker a few times a year. I make mistakes like that a lot, like all the time. And um, so they had to call the floor over, and she's like, okay, it's been exposed. Like, just turn it up. And so the guy sits there thinking. He, like, he's in the tank now. Because he now has the benefit of that information to make his decision. Right. And, and, you, I, know, and, I'm a- and you know that there's that horrible prospect that if you win the hand, you could then get a penalty. Right. And, um, and exactly. And also it was kind of an awkward situation because the floor person was an old friend of mine. And I was really hoping that whatever she was supposed to do, she was going to do, uh, because I wouldn't want anything. I'm sure she would, whatever she's supposed to, I'm sure she would have done it, but it didn't come up because the guy thinks for like a solid 90 seconds, which I thought was, I mean, you know what I have? Um, and he had me covered. So he had me covered and the guy covered. Uh, he had about 30K. Well, it seems to me that he's clearly got a pair and he's deciding whether to flip. That's right. And he decides that he does, in fact, want to flip with a pair of threes. I'd be a little bit worried about what the guy's called it off with for like 7K. The guy with 7K has sevens. I have ace king. I flop a king. All's right with the world except for the three on the turn. And we are out of the tournament, and I'm out, and I feel really stupid, like really fucking stupid. Because if I don't turn over Ace King, I don't think he can call with threes. I don't, I don't think, think he can. I don't think he I should. Think- even knowing you have Ace King, I don't think he should be calling there with threes, especially with someone else in the hand. Exactly. So I don't know. It's just it's all insult to injury. So I'm just an idiot. I'm just a complete moron. And it was one of those situations, James, where I went broke in this tournament before my massage was even over. So <laughs> oh, that awkward moment. She was like, uh, we could just go over to one of the slot machines. And I was like, yes, yes, we are going to one of the slot machines. And, um, and I did get like more than just the massage because I got like the, like the ego massage too. And she's like, oh, that was so unlucky that three hit. And I was like, yes, tell me more. You, your tip is increasing by the second. <laughs> one more embarrassing poker story to tell you. I played a tournament at Harrah's also. Uh, That's the embarrassing tournament. bit, right? Uh, <laughs> well, you were playing poker at Harrah's. Well, James, again, there was like a bunch of fans there. There was a guy named Jimmy who was a big fan of ours. And then there were two English guys who, oddly enough, were named Bruce and Wayne. No and I was way. Like, I was like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, these two guys from like Manchester or the something. Batman. Were, yeah, that, that's what they said. The dynamic duo, I think, is what they called themselves. And um, so what happened was uh, I was all in in this tournament, and the guy to my left called and ended up being. Um, uh, you know, just the two of us in the hand. So I tabled, I have two sevens. He goes, Oh, we're going to chop. I have two sevens too. And so the dealer's dealing it out. And so like, and this is like, stay humble moment. And I was like, all right, everyone, I'll sing it. Except for the fact that it came spade, 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 spade. <laughs> and I lost pocket sevens versus pocket sevens. And I was like, okay, for because I never sing everyone wants, everyone loves a chop pot. I'm like, no, 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 I don't really do that. Like, it's, you know, it's something for just, it's stupid. I don't want to do it in real life. And I was like, okay, everyone, no. I'm ready to sing everyone loves a chop pot, and I don't even get to fucking sing it. Joe, you don't tee it up until the fucking river card is dealt. The hand's not over until there are five cards in the middle. I mean, how, but what is that That's seven karma. versus seven? We come back to Lee Jones. This is bad karma. Yeah, me, the guy who's telling people that, like, it's okay to be nice to people at the poker table. That's the kind of karma I deserve is losing sevens versus sevens. I'm trying to be nice to fucking everybody all the time. And I can't even win. I can't even win a hand I'm supposed to chop 99% of the time. Are you fucking serious? Are you kidding me? You've seen the film, assuming you have Netflix. Now buy the accompanying double LP. Kid Poker, the official motion picture soundtrack. A collection of quality production music used to illustrate the life story of Daniel Negreanu. Listen to all your favorite audio cues. Tracks that make you think of Daniel's childhood. Daniel going to Las Vegas and losing all his money. Daniel slow rolling the shit out of David Williams and winning his first WPT. That scene from American Beauty with the plastic bag. 
experience the documentary without pictures or words. Take an audio journey through Daniel's emotional highs and lows. Plus, plenty of poker montages. And a heartfelt speech at the 2014 Poker Hall of Fame where Phil Helmuth refused to remove his headphones. What a tool. Kid Poker, the official motion picture soundtrack. Coming soon to your local branch of Tower Records. They say it's a matter of time. A thousand days and the sun won't shine Before I come back to you When I'm happy Nothing's going to stop me I'm making my way home I'm making my way For your love I will go far I've actually bought uh, two copies of the soundtrack in case I want to listen to it more than once. (laughs) Uh, Joe, we're going to do a special edition of The Lobby this week because we often focus on the continent of Europe. But I figured let's look at all four sections of the PokerStars map in the live event section of the PokerStars Lobby. And let's pick out one event from each part of the world that's coming up that people might want to try to satellite into on PokerStars. So we're going to start with Europe. Uh, we have the Marbella Festival coming up next week, kicking off on the 14th of June. It's a 1,100 euro main event buy-in. Remember, this festival spans both the Australia's Poker Tour and the UK IPT as the UK and Ireland goes on holiday for the summer months. Uh, so that's taking place in the middle of this month, 14th to the 19th. Satellites running now. Closer to where you are right now, the Americas. Brazil has a big event kicking off on the 21st of July, the BSOP in Sao Paulo, a $790 main event buy-in. But again, you can satellite into that and win a package because I figured, Joe, in highlighting these different parts of the world, it's worth remembering that if you do win a package, there's accommodation and travel money thrown in as well. So it doesn't matter whether you're going to Uruguay or whether you're going to Marbella. Yeah, I mean, it's... And it's... Uh, what? I mean, it's... Um... It's a vacation. It's vacation season to holiday vacation, whatever you want to call it. Sounds like a great thing to me. And also keep in mind that the best poker players in the world aren't going to be in Marbella or in where the BSOP. So it's good value. And it's, it's time. Look, you deserve a vacation. And why not try to win one on Poker Stars? Play on Poker Stars. Uh, we've gone halfway around the world. Our next continent is Asia with. The APPT Soul event kicking off on the 20th of June, later this month. Eight events in this festival. The main event buy-in is just over $2,500. Satellites running right now. And finally, Australia and New Zealand. You got a bit of a uh, wait. I was hoping for Africa. You got a bit of a wait before there's a poker event in this part of the world. The APPT Melbourne event takes place in October. The good news is you've got plenty of time to plan your trip and plenty of time to satellite for this one. The 14th to the 18th of October, the main event buy-in just shy of $1,700. I guess you could hit that up and then come to Malta, right? Is it Malta at the end of October? Malta is indeed just before Halloween this year. And as ever, we are going to give one of our listeners the chance to win their first step of the way towards playing a PokerStars Live event. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week, Joe, we go the furthest I think we have ever taken the Superfan versus Stapes contest. We are going to China. And saying hello to Scott Adamson. Hello, Scott. Hello. How are you guys doing? Hi, Scott. Scott, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> uh, I guess Joe Stapleson is my daddy. That, well, that's a, I, I really love that answer. But that's my way of just asking, what, what's your deal, man? You li- what, what are you doing in China? 
Uh, my fiance took an English teaching job over here, so I decided to move over with her. You are a house husband. Uh, pretty much I am right now. And so what do you do to spend your time, though, in China? Um, basically, I play a lot on PokerStars because uh, I'm able to play it over here. Hashtag play on PokerStars. <laughs> exactly. And pretty much uh, not much else. I mean, uh, just kind of traveling around, walking around the city, seeing, checking things out. You know, James, we didn't really hear very much about players relocating to the People's Republic of China. It's not one of the places that many people who left the USA went to after Black Friday. But Scott didn't need to relocate because, of course, he is Canadian. And Scott, you did initially suggest that maybe we could have a quiz about some Canadian sports teams. The Toronto Blue Jays being one of them. What was the name of the other? Uh, as a local hockey team, Austria uh, Generals. Yeah, I just kind of felt, Joe, that you would be at such a disadvantage that we might as well just give him the prizes and not do the quiz. So I figured we'd opt for something that you at least stood a fighting chance at. We went down the popular culture route, and Scott nominated The Hangover Movies as his specialist subject. James, you know I don't like sports, right? I'm aware of that. I hate The Hangover Movies more than I dislike sports. But at least you've seen them, and at least you know about them. them. I have seen I have seen one hundred percent of the Hangover movies, and I have seen less than that of Canadian sports. Now, Scott, here's a little story that you might find interesting as a fan of the Hangover franchise. I was actually in Las Vegas. I was staying at Caesar's Palace when this film was being made, and how I became aware of it. My wife and I were playing like the daily afternoon tournament at Caesar's Palace, like you know, one hundred and thirty-five dollar affair. And my wife was sat next to this guy who said he was a movie producer. And she was like, oh, what are you working on? He goes, well, actually, we're here in Vegas shooting a movie. Oh, who's in it? No, 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 one, one, no one you'd know of. Um, uh, do you know Heather Graham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's in the movie and, 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 and that guy over there. And pointed to someone who she didn't recognize who just happened to be Bradley Cooper. That's pretty cool. But he wasn't a big deal back then. But the next morning, this is hilarious, we, went, we were walking around outside and they had those signs up that you occasionally get uh, we have them at all of our live events and occasionally when they're shooting a movie or a TV show. It's a disclaimer that if you walk into this area, you could be on screen and you basically waive any rights you have. And I guess it was when they were shooting the breakfast scene from The Hangover where they're kind of at the table discussing what they're going to do with the baby. And we basically just walked around the outside, around the edge of the swimming pool several times in a desperate attempt to get into the movie. <laughs> but I've watched that scene several times and I think we failed. Yeah, you know, I, I watched it yesterday. Oh, wow. He rewatched it. Now, I, I have done a little bit of research. I've got my Hangover anecdotes. First of all, Todd Phillips, the guy that uh, directed The Hangover, uh, is a poker player. He likes poker a lot. Uh, he w- would occasionally be seen playing poker back in the heyday. Two, I believe I saw The Hangover 3 with Liv Barree, believe it or not. I saw either Hangover 2 or 3 with her. But I've done some research, guys, because I have lost over $300 playing the Hangover slot machine here in (laughs) Vegas. Which I understand is one of the most popular slot machines at Caesars Palace. Makes perfect sense. Uh, I've definitely uh, kept the lights on there for a few more days. So we've got four questions about the original Hangover, four questions about the Hangover Part 2, and quite frankly, Hangover Part 3 was not deserving of more than two questions. Uh, So let's get to it. Superfan versus Stakes. And Scott, as the superfan, you get to choose whether to go first or second. Um, I'll go first. Okay, you take the first question, which is about the original Hangover. And I want to know, and it is multiple choice, so I'm going to give you four options. How much did Warner Brothers pay for John Lucas and Scott Moore's original script for the Hangover? Was it $1.5 million? Two million dollars, three million dollars, or five million dollars? Um, I think it's two million dollars. Is correct, and you are on the board for a point. That was like a really big deal, that script, actually, right? I mean, I think there might have even been a bidding war over it. Yeah, it had been on the, uh, is it the blacklist they call it? The, it had been there since like 2007. Joseph, your question Which of these songs featured in the first movie is included? On the official motion picture soundtrack. So all these songs are in the movie, but only okay. one appears on the OST. Is it Who Let the Dogs Out by Baha Men, Right Round by Flowrider, Yeah by Usher, or In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins? 
Oh man, I'm gonna go with um, the Flo Rida song. Which you would think would be on the soundtrack but isn't. Phil Collins in The Air Tonight is the only one of those four songs which actually made it onto the soundtrack. What a bunch of fucking bullshit. I remember when I was a kid buying movie soundtracks because I thought I would get like a particular song I liked that was in the movie and then it wouldn't be on the soundtrack. Because you realized that the film company wasn't prepared to pay the licensing costs. Yeah, so ridiculous. Columbia House, you got me again. Scott, your second question. This is not multiple choice. We're delving into the depths of your knowledge. Who turned down the role of Jade, eventually played by Heather Graham, saying the script had no potential? Uh, that was Lindsay Lohan. That was, for a point. And Joe, your question, which involves wow. no options. Why did Warner Brothers lawyers intervene before the filming of the scene at the police station? Why did Warner Brothers lawyers intervene? Scene. Um... Because there had just been a really bad tasering incident that happened in real life. It's a good guess, but it's not quite right, and I will allow you to steal, Scott, if you can. Um, was it because uh, one of them wanted to, like Bradley Cooper wanted to be tased and the other two didn't want? It's close, but it's not correct. Director Todd Phillips wanted to use a real taser instead of a prop, and Warner Brothers, fearing a lawsuit, intervened and said, no, you can't do that. You have to stage it. You have to act. You know, that was the scene that really undid that movie for me. Like, I was like, okay, like, this is so stupid. Like, the rest of it I kind of liked. And then once that happened, I was like, yeah, I'm out. Even so, we can all agree the original movie was more than watchable. The same cannot be said for The Hangover Part 2. And we move on to that film now. Uh, your question, Scott, who was originally cast in the role of the tattoo artist eventually played by Nick Cassavetes. Was it Jason Statham, Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, or Tom Hiddleston? Uh, Liam Neeson. Correct, for a point. Joe, uh, whoa, 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 hold on a second, hold on a second. I believe the original person cast for that role was Mel Gibson. Todd Phillips floated the idea of casting Mel Gibson, but the cast objected and it was dropped. Liam Neeson actually filmed scenes, but then oh, wasn't wow. available for reshoots, and that's why they had to recast it. By the way, Nick Cassavetes, also a poker player, played on the big game. Joe, your question. You've got some good knowledge here, Joe, but none of it's relevant to any of the questions I'm asking. <laughs> How much did The Hangover Part 2 gross in the USA in its opening weekend? 68 million. 79 million, 86 million, or 97 million? 86 million. Is correct, and we have a 3 2 game. Finally, I'm. Oh no, I got one right already? Uh. Why have you like, given you a point? I think I only have one. Yes, that's bizarrely. I, I gave you a pity point. So no, you only have one point. It's 3 1. Uh. Scott, what is the name of the capuchin who portrays the drug dealing monkey? Oh. I don't remember that one. Joe, you can steal for a point. The real name of the monkey is Crystal. Correct. Now it's 3-2. You know how I know that, James? I've worked with Crystal the monkey before. When I worked for Mad TV, Crystal the monkey was our, like, go-to monkey. There's, like, a real slumdog millionaire answer to this question. I believe. And it's the same monkey that played Marcel in Friends. Which is why this question and this anecdote has come up before, because ah! Crystal the monkey was also featured in our Friends superfan quiz, which didn't go so well for the superfan. I believe it's the same monkey from the Night at the Museum movies as well. Anywho, Joe, you can tie the game here if you can get this question right. Why did Mr. S. Victor Whitmill file a lawsuit against Warner Brothers over The Hangover Part 2? Uh, can you read the guy's name again? S. Victor Whitmill. He fired. He filed a lawsuit over the Hangover Two. Oh, they, okay. All right. Um. Because uh, the 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 the. Uh, mm, hold on. Give me ten, give me five seconds. Uh. They they used his likeness uh, without his permission. I'm afraid that's incorrect, and Scott, you can steal for a point. Um, the only thing that came to my mind was that uh, Mike Tyson's uh, tattoo. Is the correct answer. He designed wow. Mike Tyson's tattoo, which of course was copied in the film, and I believe the case was settled. So it's 4-2 as we go into the final round. 
Scott, your question about The Hangover Part 3. What is that movie's current score on IMDb? Is it 4.2, 4.8, 5.5 or 5.9? Uh, 4.2. It should be, but it's 5.9 somehow. And Joe, your question. which What's the score? Uh, it's 4.2. Okay, I can get one here. Which Razzie was The Hangover Part 3 nominated for? Was it worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel? Worst screenplay, worst director, or worst screen combo? Uh, worst sequel, ripoff. Is correct, meaning the final score is 4-3. You put up a good showing, Joe, but you did not win. Scott Adamson, you are a champion, and that means we're going to ship you a Stepsy ticket worth 27 euros and an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. Awesome, fantastic. Thanks very much, guys. Scott, how many members of the Chinese government do you think will try on that t-shirt before it actually gets to you? Um, I'd probably say at least a thousand. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't say, I mean, a thousand, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, there's a billion people there, so like a thousand layers of bureaucracy makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's a lot of people here. Or two lot, billion, right? Isn't there almost two billion people now, I think? I think so, something around there. Scott, before we cut you loose, I'm just so curious what it's like living in China. What what's your what's your favorite thing about living there, other than you know the love of a, a woman? Um, honestly, just seeing a different culture because I've only been to like Canada, States, and England. So being on the other side of the world is kind of really interesting, seeing a new different culture. Well, I'll tell you what, man. If I didn't know you were a Canadian before, I do now because there's no way a fucking American guy would ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, thank you very much for coming on the show. Congratulations. We appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Okay, guys. Well, that is uh, that is show number one of the barren wasteland of nothing going on in the EPT, but at least there's other things going on in the poker world. I'm going to be here in Vegas uh, still for the pretty much the rest of the summer. So next week will be whatever I can happen to scare up, whatever major losses I have. Um, maybe I'll have a terrible Tinder date I can tell you guys about. Now, something you teed up at the end of last week's podcast, Joe, was that there was someone after our job, someone who has yeah. applied to be a poker commentator, and we were actually going to break down their audition. Uh, we're deferring that to next week? Not even to next week, I don't think, because what I'd really like to do, James, is is uh, wait till I'm in the studio with you where we can play his entire video, or at least the parts that are relevant audio-wise, and then give him some real critique in real time okay. and it's tough to do with us at this distance. So I'm going to hold on to that one until I'm back in England, which is, it's going to be like a month from now or something. So it's August dude. Oh, we're not going to be, I'm not going to be there in July. Possibly. You're going to be there in July, but there is no podcast during July. We've got a six week summer break coming up. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know what to do because I really feel like we need to bat it around a little bit. Maybe there's something we could do with it remotely. It just feels like the kind of thing we need to be in the same room for. But, uh, the long and the short of it is, if we never get to it, maybe we don't. But I really liked it. I thought he put a nice effort in, and it was a really cute video. And I, the the gag is that I kind of wanted to give him some actual criticism on it, even though he doesn't deserve it. Uh, but so <laughs> I'm hopefully we will find time for it in the next couple of weeks. Okay, cool. That that works for me. Uh, other than that, I don't know. We're gonna have to see what uh, what develops. Uh, we got no more movies to release on Netflix. No TV shows happening. So I'm just gonna go out and lose some more money here in Vegas. I hope that works for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> works for me. I hope it works for your bank manager. All right, guys. That's all the time we got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.